Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Yep, Eric, today is day 98. It is. Yeah, Chip and Eric reading through the Bible. Yeah. Getting close to day 100. I know. I know, you're Which is actually day 465. Wow. Which is actually pretty awesome. Yeah, day 100 for many of you. Mm -hmm. This is the first time you've read the Bible 100 days straight. Wow. That's pretty cool. That is very cool. We're very proud of you guys. Couldn't do this without you. Wouldn't do this without you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Right? This is why we're doing it. (laughs) We would would not be doing this without you. Well, on our own, we'd do it. Yeah, yeah, but I mean this. Yeah, this, right here. I mean, we'd be eating these dates. We would be. We are. Uh, Today, Eric, we're going to read 2 Samuel 13, uh, chapter 13, all the way through 16, verse 4. Wow. Today. That seems like something we would do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you, your day, I'll get us started. Oh, you're going to start. Okay. Now, David's son, Absalom, had a beautiful sister named Tamar. And uh, Ammon, her half-brother, fell desperately in love with her. Amnon became so obsessed with Tamar that he became ill. She was a virgin, and Amnon thought he could never have her. But Amnon had a very crafty friend, his cousin Jonadab. That's the name. <laughs> he was the son of David's brother, Shimei. Uh, sh- how you say that? Shimia. 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 I like that better. He was the son of David's brother, Shimia. One day, Jonadab said to Amnon, What's the trouble? Why should the son of a king look so dejected morning after morning? So Amnon told him, I'm in love with Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Well, Jonadab said, I'll tell you what to do. Go back to bed and pretend you're ill. When your father comes to see you, ask him to let Tamar come and prepare some food for you. Tell him you'll feel better if she prepares it the way, prepare it as you watch and feed you with her own hands. So Amnon lay down, pretended to be sick. And when the king came to see him, Amnon asked him, Please tell my sister Tamar to come and cook my favorite dish as I watch. Then I can eat it from her own hands. So David agreed and sent Tamar to Amnon's house to prepare some food for him. When Tamar arrived at Amnon's house, she went to the place where he was lying down so she could watch uh, so he could watch her mix some dough. Then she baked his favorite dish for him. But when she set the serving tray before him, he refused to eat. Everyone, get out of here, Amnon told his servants. So they all left. Then he said to Tamar, now bring the food into my bedroom and feed it to me here. So Tamar took his favorite dish to him. But as she was feeding him, he grabbed her and he demanded, come to bed with me, my darling sister. No, my brother, she cried. Don't be foolish. Don't do this to me. Such wicked things aren't done in Israel. Where could I go in my shame? And you would be called one of the greatest fools in Israel. Please just speak to the king about it, and he'll let you marry me. But Amnon wouldn't listen to her, and since he was stronger than she, he raped her. Then suddenly Amnon's love turned to hate, and he hated her even more than he had loved her. Get out of here, he snarled at her. No, no, Tamar cried. Sending me away now is worse than what you've already done to me. But Amnon wouldn't listen to her. He shouted for his servant and demanded, Throw this woman out! Lock the door behind her! So the servant put her out and locked the door behind her. She was wearing a long, beautiful robe, as was a custom in those days for the king's virgin daughters. But now Tamar tore her robe and put ashes on her head. And then when her face in her hands, she went away crying. Her brother Absalom saw her and asked, Is it true that Amnon has been with you? Well, my sister, keep quiet for now, since he's your brother. Don't worry about it. So Tamar lived as a desolate woman in her brother Absalom's house. When, David, when, King da- when King David heard what had happened, he was very angry. 
And though Absalom never spoke to Amnon about this, he hated Amnon deeply because of what he had done to his sister. Two years later, when Absalom's sheep were being sheared at Baal Hazor near Ephraim, Absalom invited all the king's sons to, to, to come to a feast. He went to the king and said, My sheep shearers are now at work. Would the king and his servants please come to celebrate the occasion with me? The king replied, No, my son. If we all came, we would be too much of a burden on you. Absalom pressed him, but the king would not come, though he gave Absalom his blessing. Well then, Absalom said, If you can't come, how about sending my brother Amnon with us? Why Amnon? the king asked. But Absalom kept on, asking, kept on pressing the king until he finally agreed to let all his sons attend, including Amnon. So Absalom prepared a feast fit for a king. Absalom told his men, wait until Amnon gets drunk, then at my signal, kill him. Don't be afraid. I'm the one who's given the command. Take courage and do it. So at Absalom's command, they murdered Amnon. Then the other sons of the king jumped on their mules and fled. As they were on their way back to Jerusalem, the report reached David, Absalom has killed all the king's sons. Not one is left alive. The king got up, tore his robe, and threw himself on the ground. His advisors also tore their clothes in horror and sorrow. But just then, Jonadab, the son of David's brother Shimea, Sh- what did we decide? Shimea. Shimea arrived and said, No, don't believe that all the king's sons have been killed. It was only Amnon. Absalom has been plotting this ever since Amnon raped his sister Tamar. No, my lord the king, your sons aren't all dead. It was only Amnon. Meanwhile, Absalom escaped. Then the watchman on the Jerusalem wall saw a great crowd coming down the hill on the road from the west. He rang to tell he ran to tell the king, I see a crowd of people coming from the Horonaim road alongside of the hill. Look, Jonadab told the king, there they are now. The king's sons are coming, just as I said. They soon arrived, weeping and sobbing, and the king and all his servants wept bitterly with them, and David mourned many days for his son Amnon. Absalom fled to his grandfather Talmai, son of Amahud, the king of Geshur. He stayed there in Geshur for three years, and King David, now reconciled to Amnon's death, longed to be reunited with his son Absalom. Joab realized how much the king longed to see Absalom, so he sent for a woman from Tekoa who had reputation for great wisdom. He said to her, pretend you're in mourning, wear mourning clothes and to put on lotions. Act like a woman who has been in mourning for the dead for a long time. Then go to the king and tell him the story I'm about to tell you. Then Joab told her what to say. When the woman from Tekoa approached the king, she bowed down with her face to the ground in deep respect and cried out, O king, help me. What's the trouble? The king asked. Alas, I am a widow, she replied. My husband is dead. My two sons had a fight out in the field. And since no one was there to stop it, one of them was killed. Now the rest of the family is demanding. Let us have your son. We will execute him for murdering his brother. He doesn't deserve to inherit his family's property. They want to extinguish the only coal I have left, and my uh, husband's name and family will disappear from the face of the earth. Leave it to me, the king told her. Go home, and I'll see to it that no one touches him. Okay, thank you, my lord, the king, the woman from Tekoa replied. If you're criticized for helping me, let the blame fall on me and my father's house, and let the king and the throne be innocent. If anyone objects, the king said, bring him to me. I can assure you, you, he will never harm you again. Then she said, Please swear to me by the Lord your God that you won't let anyone take vengeance against my son. I want no more bloodshed. As surely as the Lord lives, he replied, not a hair on your son's head will be disturbed. Please allow me to ask one more thing of my Lord the king, she said. Go ahead and speak, he responded. She replied, Why don't you do as much for the people of God as you have promised to do for me? You have convicted yourself in making this decision because you have refused to bring home your own banished son. All of us must die eventually. Our lives are like water spilled out on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. But God does not just sweep life away. Instead, he devises ways to bring us back when we have been separated from him. Hmm. 
I have come to plead with the Lord my king because the people have threatened me. I said to myself, perhaps the king will listen to me and rescue us from those who would cut us off from the inheritance that God has given us. Yes, my lord, the king, we will give peace of mind again. I know that you are like an angel of God and discerning good from evil. May the Lord your God be with you. I must know one thing, the king replied, and tell me the truth. Yes, my lord, the king, she responded. Did Joab put you up to this? And the woman replied, my lord, the king, how can I deny it? Nobody can hide anything from you. Yes, Joab sent me and told me what to say. He did it to place the matter before you in a different light. But you are as wise as an angel of God, and you understand everything that happens among us. So the king sent for Joab and told him, All right, go and bring back the young man Absalom. Joab bowed with his face to the ground in deep respect and said, At last I know that I have gained your approval, my lord the king, for you have granted me this request. Then Joab went to Geshur and brought Absalom back to Jerusalem. But the king gave this order, Absalom may go to his own house, but he must never come into my presence. So Absalom did not see the king. Now Absalom was praised as the most handsome man in all Israel. He was flawless from head to foot. He cut his hair only once a year, and then only because it was so heavy. When he weighed it out, it came to five pounds. He had three sons and one daughter. His daughter's name was Tamar, and she was very beautiful. Absalom lived in Jerusalem for two years, but he never got to see the king. Then Absalom sent for Joab to ask him to intercede for him, but Joab refused to come. Absalom sent for him a second time, but again, Joab refused to come. So Absalom said to his servants, go and set fire to Joab's barley field, the field next to mine. So they set his field on fire as Absalom had commanded. Then Joab came to Absalom at his house and demanded, why did your servants set my field on fire? And Absalom replied, because I wanted you to ask the king why he brought me back from Geshur if he didn't intend to see me. I might as well have stayed there. Let me see the king. If he finds me guilty of anything, then let him kill me. So Joab told the king what Absalom had said. Then at last David summoned Absalom, who came and bowed low before the king, and the king kissed him. After this, Absalom brought a chariot and horses, and he hired 50 bodyguards to run ahead of him. He got up early every morning and went out to the gate of the city. When people brought a case to the king for judgment, Absalom would ask where in Israel they were from, and they would tell him their tribe. Then Absalom would say, you've really got a strong case here. It's too bad the king doesn't have anyone to hear it. I wish I were the judge. Then everyone could bring their cases to me for judgment, and I would give them justice. When people tried to bow before him, Absalom wouldn't let them. Instead, he took them by the hand and kissed them. Absalom did with this uh, with everyone who came to the king for judgment, and so he stole the hearts of all the people of Israel. After four years, Absalom said to the king, let me go to Hebron to offer sacrifice to the Lord and fulfill a vow that I made to him. For while your servant was at Geshur and Aram, I promised to sacrifice to the Lord in Hebron if he would bring me back to Jerusalem. All right, the king told him, go and fulfill your vow. So Absalom went to Hebron. But while he was there, he sent secret messengers to all the tribes of Israel to stir up a rebellion against the king. As soon as you hear the ram's horn, his message read, you are to say to Absalom, has been crowned king in Hebron. He took 200 men from Jerusalem with him as guests, but they knew nothing of his intentions. While Absalom was offering sacrifices, he sent for Ahithophel, one of David's counselors who lived in Gilo. Soon, many others also joined Absalom, and the conspiracy gained momentum. A messenger soon arrived in Jerusalem to tell David, All Israel has joined Absalom in a conspiracy against you. Then we must flee at once, or it will be too late, David urged his men. Hurry, if we get out of the city before Absalom arrives, both we and the city of Jerusalem will be spared from disaster. We are with you, his advisors replied. Do what you think is best. So the king and all his household set out at once. He left no one behind except ten of his concubines to look after the palace. The king and all his people set out on foot, pausing at the last house to let all the king's men move past to lead the way. 
There were 600 men from Gath who had come with David along with the king's bodyguard. Then the king turned and said to Ittai, a leader of the men of Gath, Why are you coming with us? Go on back to King Absalom, for you are a guest in Israel, a foreigner in exile. You arrived only recently, and should I force you to wander to wander with us? I don't even know where we will go. Go on back and take your kinsmen with you, and may the Lord show you his unfailing love and faithfulness. But Ittai said to the king, I vow by the Lord and by your own life that I will go wherever my lord the king goes, no matter what happens, whether it means life or death. David replied, All right, come with us. So Ittai and all his men and their families went along. Everyone cried loudly as the king and his followers passed by. They crossed the Kidron Valley and then went out toward the wilderness. Zadok and all the Levites also came along, carrying the Ark of the Covenant of God. They set down the Ark of God, and Abiathar offered sacrifices until everyone had passed out of the city. Then the king instructed Zadok to take the Ark of God back into the city. If the Lord sees fit, David said, he will bring me back to see the Ark in the tabernacle again. But if he is through with me, then let him do what seems best to him. The king also told Zadok the priest, Look, here is my plan. You and Abiathar should return quietly to the city with your son Ahimaaz and Abiathar's son Jonathan. I will stop at the shallows of the Jordan River and wait there for a report from you. So Zadok and Abiathar took the Ark of God back to the city and stayed there. David walked up the road to the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went. His head was covered and his feet were bare as a sign of mourning. And the people who were with him covered their heads and wept as they climbed the hill. When someone told David that his advisor Ahithophel was now backing Absalom, David prayed, O Lord, let Ahithophel give Absalom foolish advice. When David reached the summit of the Mount of Olives, where the people worshipped God, Hushai the archite was waiting there for him. Hushai had torn his clothing and put dirt on his head as a sign of mourning. But David told him, If you go with me, you will only be a burden. Return to Jerusalem and tell Absalom, I will now be your advisor, O king, just as I was your father's advisor in the past. Then you can frustrate and counter Ahithophel's advice. Zadok and Abiathar the priests will be there. Tell them about the plans being made in the king's palace, and they will send their sons Ahimaaz and Jonathan to tell me what's going on. So David's friend Hushai returned to Jerusalem, getting there just as Absalom arrived. Now when David had gone a little behind the summit of the Mount of Olives, Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, was waiting there for him. He had two donkeys loaded with 200 loaves of bread, 100 clusters of raisins, 100 bunches of summer fruit, and a wineskin full of wine. What are these for? The king asked Ziba. Ziba replied, The donkeys are for the king's people to ride on, and the bread and the summer fruit are for the young men to eat. The wine is for those who become exhausted in the wilderness. And where is Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson? The king asked him. He stayed in Jerusalem, Ziba replied. He said, Today I'll go back, I'll get back the kingdom of my grandfather Saul. In that case, the king told Ziba, If you give, I give you everything Mephibosheth owns. I bow before you, Ziba replied. May I always be pleasing to you, my lord the king. Hmm. Okay, good reading. Yeah, a lot of drama. So much drama. So many days. This family has a lot of drama. Woo! Yeah. So, two semi-ordinary pastors reading an extraordinary book to some amazing people. That's you. With two questions in mind. Yep. What's this tell us about God? Mm -hmm. And what is this telling us about us? Mm Mm-hmm. I'm going to eat this tape while you answer your question, Chip. (laughs) So, Chip, what's this tell us about God? Oh, is that... Do I have to do that? You usually do. Yeah, but do I have to? You don't have to. You got to mix it up, Chip. I did it for you. I just mixed it up. You got to mix it up, bro. I I did it. I did the Eric talk. Sometimes you mix it up, man. Yo, bro, Chip, what's it say about God? (laughs) There you go. (laughs) I'll tell you what it says about God, Eric. Oh, thanks, bro-tato, Chip. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Brerick. Okay. 
Well, what I'm going to say isn't popular. I love that. I think you know that about me. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do. Uh, it's not popular. We don't like this part about God. Um, and I'm sure it's debatable. But I don't know any way around it. God allows bad things to happen. Evil, terrible things like this to happen. He, he didn't make it happen. He didn't cause mm-hmm. it to happen. I mean, mm-hmm. The heart of God doesn't want it to happen. Mm-hmm. But he allowed it to happen. He could have stopped it. Mm-hmm. He could have sent his angels saying, hey, ding, ding, ding. We got a little situation to get down there. Uh, he didn't. Yeah. And we see this over and over again. Terrible things like this. And the reality is that God does allow it to happen. Yeah. Don't, don't know why have some there is no way around that because it's the reality of the case we broke the world yeah. the world he designed right. doesn't have yeah. half brothers raping sisters or anything even close to that right. the world he designed no we no. broke it yeah we invented sin but a lot of people don't like that about god yeah. well a lot you of know? the reason why mm-hmm. is because they say well god did this yeah you know he could have stopped it yeah he did right right yeah but and he will he will. he will. He's going to put an end to all injustice. We know that. Mm-hmm. And when we get to the end of this book, you're going to see not this book like Second Samuel, <laughs> but this book like the Bible. Mm-hmm. You're going to see God deeply desires to rid the world of this injustice. And I think what Jesus shows us is that these sufferings that we go through that God allows, he, he walks through them with us. You know, he mm-hmm. walks through them with us. Yeah. So I agree with that. Um, I don't think this goes with that, but I just want to say like, I don't even know if this tells us something about us, but I just want to point out the overarching theme of what we just read is loyalty. It's loyalty, mm-hmm. right? Um, Amnon had no loyalty to his half-sister. Absalom had extreme loyalty to his half-sister. Neither of them had loyalty to their dad, mm-hmm. right? In doing that and then in the vengeance piece of it and then whatever. Uh Joab had to go behind David's back to kind of convince him about Absalom, which is good. That shows loyalty, I think. Mm -hmm. He did it to get him to see it from a different direction. And then I don't know why this has never sunk into me before in this whole section about loyalty. Yeah. It's never sunk in Absalom, obviously, his rebellion, not loyalty. It never sunk into me before that Mephibosheth turned his back on David. Hmm. Said, today I'm going to get my kingdom back for Mm -hmm. Saul. Mm -hmm. And David gives all of Mephibosheth's stuff to Ziba. Yeah. Who was loyal, hmm. you know? And the thing about David is he is fiercely loyal. Yeah. That's why God made a covenant with him. He didn't. He's not perfect, mm-hmm. but he's loyal. Really? As a 15-year-old, he's fighting giants. He's loyal. Mm-hmm. You know, he won't touch Saul because he perceives him to be God's anointed. He's loyal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think today when I look around, loyalty is in short supply. Yeah. And people are quick to look after their own interests and to abandon others. And I just think, man, loyalty. And so so I don't know what this really tells us about us, that we're, we can be loyal or not be loyal. But I think one thing that it definitely says is that it's better to be loyal, yeah. right? You see a physical blessing for Mephibosheth. You're going to see what happens to Absalom for his disloyalty. Mm-hmm. We saw what happened to Amnon for his disloyalty, mm-hmm. right? So Yeah, loyalty, like you're mentioning here, it could be a good thing, God thing. And we tie it back to let's stay loyal to God, even though we don't understand it, get it, agree with it, mm-hmm. or like it, that he allows certain things to happen. Yeah, that's true. And we need to stay you know, loyal to him regardless. I, I know people that don't. Mm-hmm. 
that have walked away from God because yeah. of that. Good people, mm-hmm. church people. Um, they just uh, have experienced so much evil that they have been convinced mm-hmm. that God's behind it and could have done something, and they hold it against God and they walk away from God. Very famously, uh, Richard Dawkins, who's a big-time atheist philosopher, mm. see, that was his deal. The problem of evil. Evil exists. So if God is all-powerful and God is all-good, how does evil exist? Mm. Yeah, you right. know. So that's the question of that. And then even before him, Charles Darwin. Hmm. was that. Charles hmm. Darwin suffered and he decided, man, there must not be a God and you see what he did with that mm-hmm. and how many people he influenced through that. That's so, true. That's yeah, wild. I mean, our understanding of evil uh, and understanding that God isn't behind it, God is going to work through it if we allow him. God will work through it and make our sufferings beautiful. That causes us to remain loyal and if we don't remain loyal, then we have the ability to turn our backs on God, walk away from God, and do great harm to the kingdom of God, like Charles Darwin, like Richard Dawkins. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you can go and do that and paint God in a false light, create a different God that everyone can rally around hating because he's not the true God. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I know we're, we're talking to some people here today that you have, you have experienced evil way more than Eric and I have, mm-hmm. and, it's it's, and it's probably horrific. Mm-hmm. And so in no way are we trying to do like a quick answer, but that's oh, the no. teaching of scripture here. Yeah. Yeah. And we really want you to stick on the solid truth of God's word mm-hmm. and, and who he is. And he is a good God and he is great and get bitter, not better, get better, not bitter during this time to go run to him, not from him. And you'll be blessed by him. And I know you don't want to hear that during times like this, but we need the truth and you got to stick on the truth the other option is just not good for you Mm -hmm. and it's not good for others so yeah absolutely it only it only gouges that wound deeper Mm. yeah and and we pray for you guys Mm -hmm. we do and yeah yeah so stay in the word stay in prayer stay loyal to the lord who's not the author of your suffering but does want to make it beautiful Mm. and um Mm -hmm. that's true he can Mm-hmm. All right. Well, hey, thanks for joining us today. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's no that, problem that at all. It was good. Really, I planned on being here anyway. Well, I was hoping. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't do this by myself. Yeah. And Chip read through the Bible. Rotato Chip reads the Bible. That's boring. Yeah. No, it wouldn't be boring. Yeah. Be exciting. We need to mix it up. <laughs> mix it up by just you for the rest I, of the I year. would bore myself. No. All right, everybody. All. You're amazing. Thanks. You're incredible. I appreciate that. You're going to do great things today. You know what? You didn't have to say that. I I really appreciate it. Okay, good. All right, we love you guys. Goodbye. Yep.